Mr. Craig Waller is no stranger to Geneva. He spent his undergraduate years as a student of mechanical engineering here while playing varsity soccer and working on numerous campus jobs. Uh, Mr. Waller remained on campus for the summer of 1997, uh, serving as a research and development intern in our technology services department. As you look at Mr. Waller's career path, first here at Geneva in information technology, then functioning as an engineer in the automotive industry, followed by law school, where he earned his Juris Doctor, working in intellectual property law, consulting for business startups, representing clients as a patent attorney, and advising clients regarding protection of their intellectual property. You can see God's hand at work weaving a complicated tapestry of knowledge and experience that has uniquely prepared him for the work he's doing today. A path not of human design, but of divine design. I'm sure that as this roadmap was unfolding, there were times when Craig wondered where he was headed, as I'm sure we all have. But knowing Craig, I am confident that he knew exactly who was in control. In his current position as an intellectual property attorney with Gordon and Reese, and as the founder and president of Pat Intelligent, Mr. Waller has a rather unique opportunity uh, to live out the values and beliefs integral to a Christian worldview in an industry and profession that may not be regarded by many as the most likely place to find such a worldview. Uh, no offense to any attorneys that might be in the audience today. In addition to Mr. Waller's career activities, he is actively involved in volunteer service to his professional community and his home community. Uh, most notably and appreciated by me is his service to the Department of Business Accounting and Management's uh, Advisory Council here at Geneva. This group of Christian business leaders from across the country joins together with our department uh, twice a year in voluntary service to assist us in reviewing programmatic offerings, uh, providing current industry insights, uh, providing advocacy for our department, and generally shares in the life of the department through prayers and encouragement. Craig is one of the newest members and has brought a meaningful and very much appreciated contribution to the council. Uh, I look forward to his continued influence and offerings to our department uh, and as an extension to Geneva. Uh, please welcome Mr. Craig Waller. Thank you. I'd like to open today uh, with a little prayer, if that's okay. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us beloved, for being a father who gives good gifts, who shows us, and I pray that we have eyes to see your goodness in the land of the living, who is able to make all grace abound toward us. Please bless the words spoken today, that they may glorify you and serve your purposes. Amen. I want to uh, sincerely thank Geneva College for this special opportunity, and in particular, I want to thank President Smith, Dr. Dittmar, and Dr. Richard. It is a real privilege and honor uh, to be here today at my alma mater and uh, be surrounded by so many distinguished graduates, family, and guests, as well as Geneva faculty and staff. And I know all of you have had a part to play in this day happening. This afternoon, um, my goal here is to talk and offer a few words of encouragement 
about great expectations. Um, but first, I wanted to uh, have everyone join me in congratulating the 2013 Graduate and Adult Programs graduating class. Well done. It's truly a significant and life-changing achievement. It'll unlock new doors of opportunity to be used by God in glorifying Him with your unique gifts and motivations. These awards earned today and bestowed upon you are a new tool God will give you to minister to a lost world that hungers and thirsts for the good news that we get to live out in our everyday lives. I have a question for everyone. What is God's plan to save a lost world? You. You guys are the plan. We are the plan. Talk about great expectations. I don't know how this strikes you, but I know me initially. It makes me want to question the soundness of that plan. And knowing that there are MBA students in the, office, in the uh, audience, I'm sure some of you are already trying to rework that plan for a better ROI. However, um, if this plan is true, I believe it to be true, how are we doing with it? Generally, I find there are three main responses or temperaments to our mission. And I'd like to address a few of those today. And if you would, please join me in considering where you fit in these three temperaments. For this first group, this mission is a burdensome, anxiety-ridden duty. For the second group, the mission is unrealistic, maybe even presumptuous, and often left to others more qualified to handle. Yet to a third group, it is something that God does. While they continually seek to know Him, to be filled to overflowing by Him, and increasingly resemble the one who created them to a broken world. First group, frustrated. Second group, discouraged. Third group, hopeful. Although none of us get it right all the time, the hope in Christ in you as salt and light to a dying world is or should be your always, always be your best foot forward. And every time and in all situations, that hope of Christ is what makes you and sets you apart. It is the key to true success. I want to illustrate this by talking about a person you may have heard of before named Moses. He was a man that experienced these types of uh, responses and temperaments over the course of his life. Ultimately, his life resulted in one that glorified God to the, to the fullest. As testimony to this, I would not be surprised if someday I would learn in heaven that Moses' name was mentioned every day for thousands of years somewhere in the world. For those who may be familiar with the story and as a reminder to those who are not so familiar, I'd like to give a little background on Moses. Moses was born a Hebrew slave in Egypt and narrowly avoided male infanticide ordered by the Pharaoh against the Jewish captives. He was a stowaway, an infant, barely surviving, and discovered by Pharaoh's daughter, raised in the palace. At about age 40, in an apparent act of loyalty to his ethnic brethren, 
and possibly living under the weight of great expectations. He murdered an Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew slave. After fleeing the disaster he had created and the wrath of Pharaoh at the same time, he arrives in exile in a strange land and is content to live in a priest's home as a shepherd for the next 40 years. Then God mercifully shows himself to Moses in a burning bush and tells him he will serve a lead role in delivering his people as captives from Egypt. To which Moses essentially replies, you've got the wrong guy. These expectations were much too great for Moses. Eventually capitulating and cooperating with God's plan, the rest of his life is history well told in many colorful stories, including the ten plagues on Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, miraculous provision of water from rocks and manna from heaven, the institution and the writing of the Ten Commandments, the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle. You go on and on. Some have said that Moses' life can be characterized in three general time periods or temperaments. His first 40 years, Moses thinks he's really something. In his second 40 years, Moses discovers he's really nothing. In his last 40 years, Moses lives like God is the only thing. I want to relate these back to our mission and our responses in view of Moses' life. The first response, first 40 years, he's frustrated. Second 40 years, second response, discouraged. The final 40 years, hopeful. Although we don't know a lot about Moses' growing up, what we can observe is that by age 40, he is very fed up, on edge, and he cannot handle the way the Egyptians are treating the Hebrews anymore, his brethren. Obviously, he's living in tension between what other Hebrews are going through and seemingly his impossible status, being in the royal family. I wonder if there are days when Moses was overwhelmed by anxiety of how this paradox would play out someday, anxious over how his suffering family might believe him to be the one savior to bring them out of bondage, frustrated that God did not fix it or tell him how to do it, being 40 years old already, exhausted even perhaps that God had not acted yet and was delaying the needed deliverance. Do you carry any similar burdens or weights today? Are you anxious or frustrated as to how or when God will use your preparation up to this point in life? When you are presented with the opportunity, immediate opportunity, to address pain in the world, how do you respond? And why? Why do you respond? These are difficult questions, and unfortunately, we can find ourselves sometimes with unsatisfactory answers. Recently, I've come to learn that these temperaments and responses, anxiety, frustration, exhaustion, are really varying outgrowths of pride that I act as if I know better than God, or I convince myself that he may not act in time, that reacting to each need around me is more urgent than listening to him or resting in him. Even worse is the failure to remember that the God of the universe resists and opposes the proud. He scatters them. And even these temperaments 
ultimately will always lead to being brought low. Moses' second 40 years, discouragement. Back to Moses, his most unfortunate reaction caused him to flee Egypt. Being opposed and resisted, now scattered, soon to be brought low. He stumbles upon a priest's family. They're in need. It's just somewhere where he can survive. As a lowly hired hand, as a shepherd, he would continue his unlearning process for the next 40 years. With the pressure off now, and his status as a wanted man in Egypt, where his family and people still suffered, I find it interesting that there is no record of any rally or return on Moses' part to get back to Egypt. In fact, when God is content to finally use Moses to free the Jewish nation and tells him via a burning bush of blazing fire, Moses says, who am I? It would seem that Moses no longer believed or even remembered what God was doing 40 years ago. He had not even expected to hear from God. And he had no plans beyond living in the wilderness as a shepherd. Have you forgotten or erased from memory all that God has done for you up to this point in your life? Do you say, who am I, when God opens new doors for you? Are you allowing your past to keep you from hearing God's plans for your future? I have good news. God gives grace to the humble, James 4, 6. Interestingly, grace is not a reward for the faithful. It is a gift for the lowly and meek in order to revive their hearts and their spirits, Isaiah 57, 15. But let's not stay there because God has a mission to accomplish. Moses' last 40 years, he is on task. Although not always agreeable and fully on board with every twist and turn it would take to get from Egypt, the promised land, Moses is now much better prepared and accepts his role in accomplishing the impossible. Only this time he knows he cannot do it. In fact, he even begs God for additional help. However, he now has the faith to believe that God will do it in his time and that God alone is capable. Moses is a changed man with purpose and now has great expectations that God will do that which he promises and he will spend much time getting to know Yahweh, his father. In fact, over the next 40 years, he will get to know his father so well that when people now meet him, it will be as if they have met the Lord himself. That will, people will find solace and they will find peace in meeting Moses now. For these last 40 years, they're remarkable. God will do some of the most incredible and foundational work to establish his people, his nation, through a now yielded servant who lives life on purpose and serves faithfully as if God is the only thing. What does that mean for us today? Well, I'd like to conclude by encouraging each of us, no matter if we are frustrated, discouraged, and anxious, or otherwise, that real success in your career and in life generally will come to those who know and do the will of our Father and put their hope in Him. 
Although today you will be awarded degrees from this special, God-ordained institution, please know the mission has not changed. Although your educational credentials will most certainly change for the better. Love God, live a full life with joy, having great expectation that God will do all he has purposed and promised. Thank you.